Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, June Thomas. Hello, hello. I am your other host, Isaac Butler. Isaac, I want to wish you and all our listeners a Happy New Year. It's that special time of year where we get to start over, but we also get to do a special episode of Working in which we discuss our creative New Year's resolutions for, in this case, 2024. Mm. We're also, you'll be glad to hear, going to look back on our resolutions from the last year and see how well we stuck to them. Isaac, how do you feel about this plan? I feel what my daughter would say is nervous sighted, which is her <laughs> portmanteau of nervous and excited. How are you feeling? Nervous sighted also. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right, Isaac, we're going to start with our resolutions for the year ahead. So I need to know your first goal for 2024. Mm, very convenient that I end up going first, even though you're the one uh, hosting this episode. Huh. Mm. All right. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe one of your resolutions should be uh, getting more comfortable taking risks, June. <laughs> um, this is more of a keep doing what I'm already doing, but you know, I still think that's important. But uh, I started learning French this last year. Oh, la la. And I don't want to let it go. It's, it's sometimes hard to keep up with. You know, I try to do 30 to 45 minutes a day between Duolingo and textbooks. And I'm taking classes from this company called Idlewild that's in Brooklyn and Manhattan and is really mm. wonderful. But I have no facility with languages whatsoever. I'm just going to be completely honest. You know, uh, I'm not good at them. I took Spanish for like seven years. I can speak in the present tense only, you know, um, I'm bad at vocabulary memorization or whatever. So I I think part of my resolution here is becoming comfortable with being bad at something and then getting gradually a little bit better at it. Un peu better at it even. (laughs) Because uh, learning new things is, I think, incredibly pleasurable. But do you have any advice to help a poor, bad at languages, bad at habit formation, but great at co-hosting this show, person like me, uh, to accomplish my goals. Well, I hear what you say about getting comfortable, getting better at something, but I really want you to stop saying you're bad at this. Speaking Mm. as someone who speaks some languages and as someone who has taught English overseas, I know for a fact that you have the most important ingredient, which is that you are a ham. I mean, an extrovert. (laughs) And the personality trait that correlates worse with language learning is shyness and perfectionism. If you're afraid to speak because you don't want to make mistakes, well, it is very difficult to acquire a new language with those Wait, traits. wait, wait. Are you saying that the best thing you could do to learn a new language is to be a messy bitch who lives for drama? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And am <laughs> I saying that that applies to you? Yes, also. Amazing. Also, Isaac, you have a beautifully animated way of speaking, as we just heard. So clearly you don't have the problem that you can't make some sounds, which is genuinely an issue for people with certain speech patterns or or who grow up speaking with a very flat affect. And perhaps most important, you have an amazing memory, which is also key. So I not for vocab. Not for vocab. That's the weird thing. No, no. You're giving yourself stories. So I reject (laughs) the idea that you are bad at languages. You have all the elements that are both necessary and unteachable. So we're going to change this self-talk. But so vous n'acceptez pas that I'm bad at languages? Is that what exactly, you're exactement, <laughs> mon ami. But the biggest issue you face, and you do face some issues, is your age. I um, am ancient, it's true. It's, yeah, you're less ancient than me, but the more birthdays you've had, the harder it is to learn a language. The vocab just doesn't want to stay in there. The grammar, it flies away. All that said, 
I know you do want to get better. I know you want to stick with this, which I encourage. I would urge you to focus on the why. Why do you want to learn French? Is it because you have a trip coming up? Is it because you want to read something, talk to someone? The more deeply you feel the reason, the more likely you are to make progress. Wanting to impress someone is a really, really great motivation. I've been learning Japanese for the last few years. Oh, wow. And part of it is, you know, mental agility, all those things, blah, blah. But the main reason is that I want to impress my girlfriend. We both speak foreign languages, but we don't have any in common. And her Japanese is really good. Mine is not. I came to it late. My other languages are from different language families. And we haven't visited Japan since 2018. But the hope of coming up with an apt phrase or a funny reference, it keeps me studying every single day. Also, Isaac, we should be friends on Duolingo. We, we, we should. Uh, first of all, can I just say, I think it is adorable that you still want to do things to uh, <laughs> impress your girlfriend for all this time. I think that's so great. Um, I can just feel your love <laughs> within that sentiment. You know, uh, we started learning French, my, my wife and I, on a, on a lark. We're going to France over spring break. But, you know, in Paris, all you need to know is enough French to, like, make an attempt to speak French, and then they'll just speak English. They just yeah. want you to, like, if you're in a shop, it's a weird thing. If you've never been to France, listeners, it's this is true. If you're in a shop or a bakery or whatever, just start to speak French badly, and they will just start talking to you in English. If you start to talk to them in English off the get-go, there's like a 50% chance they'll pretend not to speak it. It's a very strange, like, local pride thing. So we just, and then there was a lesson. It turned out there was a French class during our date night, so we started taking it. Aww. But my main reason for taking it is, you know, this is, again, the difference between the two of us. Maybe maybe more ineffable than that. <laughs> um, my, my main reason for taking it is actually that it's a really weird and pleasurable sensation in your brain to learn a totally different new skill that you do not have. Like, it, it actually feels good. I can actually feel my brain operating in a different way and I have a feeling that will just pay off at some point. I mean, I would love to read Proust in French or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but the actual thing right now is that I actually find it very pleasurable. Um, and then also I just feel like I'm learning about myself. Like you've learned to speak multiple languages. I studied Spanish for a while and it didn't really take, but in French class, my brain will start spitting out Spanish words. <laughs> like when the teacher asks to translate something, I'll be like, un momento, por favor, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it actually really is a physical location in your brain that this stuff is happening, you know? Yes. And the synapses are getting confused or whatever. So I, I just find that like it's like a process of discovery, and I'm really enjoying that process of discovery. Because even though, you know, when I write a book on something, there's a lot of discovery there too. I'm not learning how to write a book. I know yeah. how to write a book, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm not learning how to write. I know how to write. I'm learning how to do it better but this is like a new thing and there's something really exciting and pleasurable oh, about that. that's inspiring so now i want to know mm. what have you got it's your turn in the hot seat june <laughs> thomas what's oh. your resolution okay all right my first resolution for 2024 is to take it easy what that's amazing. Uh, maybe we could play some wind chimes behind <laughs> this or something while you while you explain it. So, ding, 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 ding. Let me tell you, Isaac, this is an important thing I need to do. Okay, so I'm taking that rather banal phrase as a shorthand reminder that I am not yet at a stage of my next book project where it has to take over my life. So for various reasons, the last nine months or so of writing my first book a place of our own, six spaces that shape queer women's culture out in the US on May 28th. And then the four to six months of revising it that came a little bit after, they were really intense. I worked every day. I worked a lot of hours every day. 
And that was necessary. And I hate to say this, but it was probably good for the book. But I don't have to work that way right now. Young me would be surprised by how much I'm really into work these days. Uh, I'm much happier when I have a project and a problem that my mind can kind of work over. But rationally, I know that it is not the best way to get good work done, nor mm -hmm. is it necessary for me personally to work that way. So I think probably the last year of any book writing project for anybody has to be intense and time consuming. I have that ahead of me, hopefully. But right now, it would be good for me to take weekends off to go on trips, some of which might even not be related to book research. So I really want to remember that and put it into practice. Yeah, I think that is great. And I mean this in a spirit of support. Mm. I do have some bad news for you, <laughs> which is that the months leading up to publication are actually really hard and they require a lot of work on your part. And yeah. there's also emotional stuff in there with your ego investment in the book and, you know, you wanting the book to do well and you're yeah. caring a lot about your work and all that stuff. You want to get people to buy the book. You're going to open your Rolodex and email everyone in media to try to get them to cover the book. You know, you're going to want to plan events. You're going to stay on your publisher to do the things they told you they would do with marketing the book, which they'll sometimes forget to do if you don't do that. There's just a lot of stuff going on. A friend of mine semi-jokingly calls it the storm before the calm <laughs> because the book comes out and who knows what happens? Maybe it's then calm after that, right? Ugh. But if the book is a success, then there's more work to do after that, managing that, going on a bunch of podcasts, doing events, things like that. So my big advice to you is to recognize that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your definition of taking it easy might have to change. Yeah. You know, plan for that. Yeah. You're not going to know what days that's going to happen. But sometimes your, you know, your publicist or whatever is going to email you and be like, you know, would you write five paragraphs on this for, you know, the Washington Post or whatever by the end of the week? And you have yeah. to be like, oh, OK, I guess I'm writing an essay about lesbian spaces now, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. But you can do other things to protect yourself, like don't take on a ton of additional freelance work. You know, when when a Slate podcast needs a guest host, don't say yes. You know, there's yeah. there's if you can afford to do that, which is a different question for a freelancer. Right. Yeah. Trying to kind of disengage from some of that stuff so that really it's just you have a your job is managing the book. That is a part time job. And the rest of the time you're taking off, uh, you'll really benefit from that. Isaac, I'm very grateful to you for preparing me for this. You said something very similar on the June 1st episode of Working Overtime called What Publication Day Feels Like when we talked to Jamie Green. And I've already experienced that a little bit. So to be clear, it's not that I think there's nothing to do. There clearly is. And I want to be in the right kind of mental space to do that. But I just think it looks different from that very intense writing phase when I was just mm -hmm. stapled to my desk, you know. I have found it hard to change that pattern, but I don't think I'm going to completely untether from the computer. I don't want to. I just want to find the right mode for this season in the creative process. I don't want it to totally. just be in the same space all the time. So I look forward to checking in on how this went in 12 months time. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more creative New Year's resolutions. Hey, listeners, do you have any tips or questions about the creative process? We would love to answer those questions, elevate your insights, and help you in whatever way we can. You can email us at working at slate.com, or even better, you can call us and leave a message at 304 
303-933-9675. That's 304-933-WORK. And we're back. Isaac, hit us with New Year's resolution number two. Well, my second one is a little similar to your last one, June, honestly. I am feeling a bit burnt out. Mm. You know, I just want to be totally honest here, uh, but I still have a book to write next year, you know, that it's due in the fall of 2024. And look, I think there's some reasons for that burnout that are obvious. This year has been busier than I intended it to be in some ways. There were some freelance projects that turned out to be bigger and more work intensive than originally uh, uh, planned. There's management stuff on the the last book with the method because it came out in paperbacks. You know, sometimes I'm going to schools to speak. I, I make money that way, you know. So it's like uh, uh, there's also this podcast, you know. So there's, there's lots of stuff pulling my mind in a bunch of different directions, which is its own kind of tiring. Yeah. You know, it's tiring in a different way than spending six hours on one task is tiring. Yes. There's personal stuff that, you know, we all have personal stuff, but there's personal stuff that's probably not worth getting into. But also, I had COVID in August, in early August, for the first time. And while I don't think of myself as someone who has long COVID or whatever, right, I do think that my ability to concentrate on a task for long periods of time or to keep track of multiple tasks for multiple projects basically in my head has been diminished. Now, yeah. is that because I'm not sleeping well? Is that because I'm old? Is that, be- you know, like, like I, I have no idea. I'm not saying it was caused by COVID, but I have noticed that, like, Everyone has now had COVID and like everyone I talk to also feels this way mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah. that they're having harder time concentrating for long periods of time and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that this is a problem that can be fixed. In fact, I want to give up for the time being on trying to fix it and instead adapt to it because I believe that my best work is still ahead of me and I can do really, really great stuff. It just might mean that my habits around that work need to change. And you know what? Even if that wasn't true now when I'm 44, like I hope to still be writing when I'm 70, I'm going to (laughs) need to develop some habits that aren't just about, well, you keep everything in your head because you have a really great memory and then you figure it out. You know what I mean? And so I want to get better and uh, proactive about project managing my life so that my mind has the free space to focus on the creative labor. So I have a feeling over the next year you're going to get a lot of emails from me for <laughs> advice on this. But what is your immediate advice? Uh, now, I can hear you beaming. Yeah. I can hear your smile over the microphone. What's your What's your immediate advice now that I've finally admitted that I need help on this front? Oh, my goodness. It's funny. I am remembering how the very first time we did this New Year's Creative Resolutions episode back in 2020. I'm pretty sure that Rahman Alam had the same resolution and I told him to get a bullet journal. <laughs> and I, I'm not really saying you need to use the bullet journal method, but... Uh, for our listeners who don't know, can you actually explain the bullet journal method real quick? It's basically just a list. You just keep a list of things that you need to do. Uh, there is and so a, it's just a book where the pages are pre-formatted for making lists? Is that basically... Uh, not even pre-formatted. There, there is a system. If There is a book called The Bullet Journal Method that I do think, if you have enough interest, is definitely worth reading. But the key is really, you just need to make a list of the things you need to do. That's basically the big secret there and keep track of them. That's actually the secret to all productivity. You know, get a notebook, write down the things you need to do, update it, or find a task manager app you like, get everything in there, keep it updated. It doesn't really matter how you do it. The important thing is that you commit to it. And once you've done that, it gets better. Mm. The fact that you're worried about missing something means that you'll be devoting precious 
brain power to servicing that concern. And so until you find a system that you trust, you're not going to really be able to break those worrying cycles. So, you know, just, that is such a great point because it's such a drag on your mind. It have is. To be, like worrying about that stuff all the time. Uh, that's great. I am going to maybe try this uh, this method. I'm just wondering, what does the firearm look like that the bullet journal is loaded into? I'm going to tell you exactly. I say it looks like a pen. Oh, okay. Anyway, June, <laughs> uh, hit me with your second resolution. All right, Isaac. My second New Year's resolution is uh, I want to be less of a procrastinator when it comes to experiencing art. And that last bit is a key part of this. I'm actually not much of a procrastinator these days when it comes to doing work. If I have a task, I just get on with it. But I will often buy a book and put it on my very special for reading next shelf and say, I'm going to read that soon. Or I'll get a movie sent to me. I'm still a member of an organization that makes annual awards. So I get movies in the mail and I just literally make a pile of them to watch later. And when I follow that particular script, like 99 times out of 100, that book does not get read. That movie does not get watched, even as I read other books and watch other movies. The reason I want to change this behavior isn't just that I'm interested in these books and movies, though I am is that I'm really aggravated by this constant postponement. It's a weird habit. I don't understand. And I really resent whatever part of my brain is causing this behavior. That has to stop. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, don't be angry with yourself. (laughs) You know, it's just a part of yourself. You know, you can change the habit or whatever, but like... You know, you could change your relationship to that part of yourself, but it is a part of yourself. You know, I'm going to I have two small pieces of advice for you. One of them is to be really ruthless about whether you actually want to do Mm. the thing that's hanging over you. You get all those screeners in the mail, right? Just throw out the ones that you don't really want to watch immediately. And that way they're just not bugging you. Do you know what I mean? I do. There's already more movies on earth than you will ever see in your (laughs) lifetime. It is okay to throw a fucking screener in the trash. You know, seriously, seriously. And that way it won't hang over you. And again, you know, as we were talking about with the regrets and the scheduling and everything with me, the anxiety of that does not have to hang over you. You know what I mean? Yep. Be ruthlessly honest with yourself about what you actually want, at least early on until the art seeing habit is really ingrained. And then you can just be more adventurous. It's like, oh, I'm just going to see a random movie because it's what's showing right now. Or I'm just going to go to this museum and see what they have. You know what I mean? But right now we're trying to create the habit. So it should be about things you actually want and pleasure at the beginning, you know, and to really focus on that. Yeah. And then on top of that, you are the master of scheduling, Mm. right? Mm. Just Block off some of your calendar, you know. Uh, Wednesday morning is culture time. I'm going to watch a movie outside of my home or I'm going to go to a museum during that time. I've blocked that time off or whatever it is. You know, don't block off too much time. Don't be too ambitious because it's like a when you set yourself a crazy fitness goal, you know, or, or whatever, and then it blows up in your face. But just start doing it. Get in the habit of doing it and you'll be a lot better off. That is excellent advice. And I think it's very on brand that it's the process breakdown that's bugging me. Yeah. It's not that I'm not reading. I read something like 91 books. That's very specific. Whoa. So far in 2023 is that I hate that I have a failure in my system. Yeah, like, totally. I, I, what is it about that shelf? It makes me crazy. 
I often am like, oh, I have these books on my bedside table. They're the next books I'm going to read. And then they're never the next books I'm going to read. Because can I tell you something? This is what I've realized, actually. It's not that you're doing something wrong in that instance. Because like you said, you read plenty of books, right? It's that you're reading a book. It's the first week of April. While you're reading that book, it inspires you, some part of you, to want to read, you know, this other book. So you put that book on your bedside table or your shelf. But then when you're done with the first book, it actually maybe satisfies why you wanted to read that other book because of whatever relationship there is between them, even though it's a mysterious one. And the, and so you actually, you don't need to read that other book right then. You can circle back to it some other time. Oh. You can just go through your bookshelves and find something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I find almost always when I try to plan what I read next, when I read that next thing, about halfway through that reading process, I'm unhappy I chose that <laughs> book, even if it's a good one. Well, all right. You can't step in the same river twice, June. That's right. You cannot. You cannot. It's the ship of Theseus, isn't it? Um, All right. Let's hear your third and last creative resolution for 2023, Isaac. Three? Good God, June. How much am I supposed (laughs) to improve myself year after year? This is going to be a hard one. But until we get to this summer when I am really in the shit with finishing my book, I want to take one real day off a week. Not a fake (sighs) day off where I just read for research, but uh, an actual day off where I'm like doing laundry, watching my kid, meeting a friend for lunch, going to Pilates or whatever. Just one day a week, probably Sunday, where like that's my commitment to myself that I'm actually taking it off. I think that's possible. You know, um, I think you and me are probably both people who kind of get off on being really busy. You know, it's yeah. part of our identity or like sometimes we actually our brain starts sort of working better when they have to work all the time. But I mm-hmm. really want to try to take one day off a week. It's got to be possible, right? I mean, <laughs> For the love of it's, God. It's got to be. And this is exactly the kind of thing I was getting at with my first resolution. If I'm hearing you correctly, you're expressing an urge and need to protect your body, your brain, and your family relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not only possible, Isaac, I think that's essential. The fact that you're even mentioning it to me and to all our listeners tells me that you know that already. And uh, I mean, yes, I think you need to maintain this resolution for as long as you possibly can. A little bit of adrenaline is good, but nobody does their best work when they're burned out. And I think we all know that. That's a good point. And I really, really appreciate your encouragement. I will put it in my bullet journal. Do you have uh, (laughs) any further resolutions uh, for us? Okay, so my third and final creative resolution for 2024, it's a slight twist on a resolution I had in 2022. And it's to speak to more people. But there's a specific twist here. And it's to speak to more people specifically about my research for my next book project. I enjoyed writing my first book, but the weird life circumstances, the pandemic, a particularly demanding time at what was then my day job, deciding to move to the other side of the world, meant that I was constantly behind schedule. I was Mm -hmm. always catching up. And one effect of that was that I didn't get to discuss my research or my ideas with anyone else. I didn't feel like I could show the work in progress to anyone because I really didn't have time to incorporate their feedback. I mean, obviously that happened with my editor, but that was all. And next time around, I want to have more input from others to a limited extent, of course. I'm not going to crowdsource my project, but... I want to be in conversation with a few trusted friends and peers because, as is true for most people, I think talking about something with smart people helps me figure out better what I think about it. It pushes me to 
just kind of push a little deeper to consider mm -hmm. other aspects. So I would like to find a way to incorporate that into my process next time around because I just know it's going to make it better. I completely agree with you. I, I don't have a lot of advice for you because I think you know you just got to do it, you know? Yeah. My encouragement to you is that socializing these sorts of problems or, you know, creative endeavors is, I find it really helpful. There are writers who are like, I don't want to talk about the book at all yeah. because then it'll, I'll, I'll lose steam or whatever. I am not that way. All I want to do is talk about whatever I'm working on, right? <laughs> so I just think the more you socialize, you will learn so much. And also, you know, things will happen where you'll bring up something that's going on with the book and someone will be like, oh, my uncle did blah, 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 blah. I should yes. put the two of you in touch, right? So there's that. Yes. There's there's both a creative thing and a practically useful thing. I will say that another thing that you can do, you probably know this already, but talking does not have to involve, you know, your vocal cords in a face-to-face -face meeting over a cup of coffee. Uh, I do a lot of my talking about my writing on a group channel of other authors you know mm. you probably have you could probably build yourself a community like that or something but i'm just saying that it, it's not just don't be limited in your idea of what socializing your writing life and ideas and practice looks like oh excellent advice all right we'll be back with more about our 2023 resolutions after this Hey, listeners, Isaac Butler here. What are your creative New Year's resolutions for 2024? Did you have resolutions for 2023? And if so, how'd they go? Do you have any questions on how to accomplish your goals? Well, maybe we can help. Send us an email at workingatslate.com or give us a call and leave a message at 304-933-9675. If we like your question, we're going to try to answer it on an episode of Working Overtime. Again, that phone number is 304 933 W-O-R-K. And we're back. We. And it is time to review our New Year's resolutions from last year. Isaac, do you remember what yours were? Yes, June, I do. And not just because you actually uh, wrote them down and sent them to me. My last two resolutions <laughs> were to get back into listening to new music and to figure out some kind of alternative to Twitter. Woo. And how did you do? I did okay on the first one. Uh, uh, our co-host at the time, Karen Hahn, uh, gave me some great advice and told me to just make a playlist called New and dump, you know, a bunch of stuff on there on Spotify and listen to it and see what happens. And I did that. I went to, to various critics I trust, you know, their top tens or whatever, and I would just put all of those albums on there and I would listen to all of them. And uh, my my greatest discovery from that was the band The Beths, who actually uh, became guests on this show as a result. And because I was listening to them all the time... They became like one of my daughter's favorite bands. It's like Aww. Taylor Swift in the number one slot. The Beths in number two, B fifty two is in number three, and uh, not only that, she interviewed the Beths for Slate Plus, and I got to take her to meet them when they came to town for a show, and you know, so I got Father of the Year out of this New Year's resolution. <laughs> now, now I should say this isn't like two thousand three or two thousand four where I felt like every week I was discovering a new amazing band. Yeah. Some of that's on me. Some of that's on music these days. I don't know. Some of it's on the kids and the TikToks or whatever. Uh, uh, but I no longer feel like I'm completely alienated hmm. from new music and just have no idea what's going on. So in terms of alternatives to Twitter, 
thankfully Blue Sky came along, uh, which is not as good as pre-Elon uh, Twitter. It's not as useful. Uh, it's even it, the user base is a little scoldy uh, in a way mm-hmm. that is irritating. But the fact that it's not as good is actually great because it means I will use it less. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's actually a sort of a great thing. Now I am trying to be less and less on Twitter. Uh, my goal, my the second stage of this goal is to really only log on to Twitter when I have a new piece out or something to promote or whatever and to just kind of leave it alone other than that. I think you have to post on it once a month or you lose your account or something. But oh. like like just to kind of do that a little bit, uh, you know, delete it off my phone and everything. That, that's sort of the, the, the work going forward. But part of that work is actually much harder because it means trying to figure out how to learn what's going on in the world and how people are talking about it yes, uh, yes. beyond the normal sources of like the New York Times and Defector or whatever, you know, because um, yeah, 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 uh, the yeah. Twitter feed is just really good at getting you that stuff. Blue Sky yeah. is not great at getting you that stuff yet. There just aren't enough people on it. And uh, so it's it's learning new ways. You know, you're, you and I are both old enough that it was uh, the Google Reader app before that yes, at blogs, yes, right? Yes, That's yep. dead. Twitter's dead now. It's like, so where am I going to get that? Uh, that's yep. the thing I have to figure out, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a little scared I, of figuring that out. So I, I think yeah. this all comes out, this nets out to like a B on both. I don't know. What do you think? Well, before I get to mine, I, I want to just say how much I relate to your last resolution. I've weaned myself off Twitter to a large extent, but I haven't found a substitute place to find the cultural conversation, which is not the same as the news, as you say, you know, by constitution and for our livelihoods, I think both of us have a need to know what smart people are talking about. And Blue Sky and and frankly, none of the other competitors are yet the home of the capital D discourse where you just totally. go to one spot and just see it all scroll by. That was so handy. And yeah, that's kind of gone. But as you say, without it, we have more time to ourselves. Um my resolutions for 2023 were to shop my stash, culturally speaking, which means actually kind of read the things I already have, uh, you know, yeah. watch the things I already have, and then to go on an artist date to see a play or concert or go to a museum or some other cultural expedition twice a month. And, uh, comment ça va? <laughs> you need to use the past tense. I Isaac. know, I'm just joking. I'm just, I don't know the past <laughs> tense yet. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, I will also give myself a B grade on both of them because Mm. I achieved them in spirit, I think. Um, As I said before, I was not really good at tackling the boots that I carefully separated into the pile I wanted to get to next. So failure on that score. But I also was pretty good at not bringing a lot of stuff into the house, which Mm. was the second purpose of that resolution. I love shopping for books and stationery, so I'm not going to claim in any way that it was zero in. But I kept the acquisition under control, and that feels like a win. I also got a ton of books from the library, often audiobooks via Libby, which is the world's greatest service, and Everand, which is another source of audiobooks and ebooks and other things. So that kept the clutter down too. As far as making a point of going out in the world to experience culture, if I hold myself to the letter of the law, I think I failed. I didn't take an artist date every two weeks, but I'm pretty sure I got more than 26 Mm -hmm. in over the course of the year. So I'm going to give myself a slightly dodgy pass on that one. I'm not teaching this semester, but I will give you a pass on that as well (laughs) instead of an incomplete. Uh, But you know what is complete? 
this week's episode of Working. Happy New Year, listeners. If you enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. Then you will never miss an episode. And this would not be a Slate podcast if we didn't remind you once again to sign up for Slate Plus. Members, get ad-free podcasts, extra segments on shows like Slow Burn and Decodering, and you will never hit a paywall on the Slate site. It's pretty important. To learn more, go to slate.com slash working plus. Big thanks to our producer, Cameron Drews, who makes old acquaintance ne'er be forgot. We'll be back next week with Ronald Young Jr.'s interview with illustrator and graphic journalist Wendy McNaughton. Until then, get back to work. <laughs>